Big Will, aka Uncle Buck, aka back back at home, feet kicked up on the couch, shoes new New Balance sneakers off, of course. Yeah, welcome home. Thank you, thank you, Dave, my co-host, David Gladding. Welcome to the building yourself. How are you, sir? Doing all right, man. <laughs> Having a uh, a chill patriotic week since it was just the fourth of july um last week yeah more than more than a week ago so yeah i celebrated uh my fourth of july by unintentionally listening to british death metal i I was halfway through the benediction album subconscious terror before i even realized what was going on it was crazy yeah it was that is not a uh, terrible way to spend your your uh your fourth i gotta tell you man i'm a huge uh benediction fan so I actually kind of wish I'm jealous. I kind of wish I was doing the same thing. I wasn't even trying to make a statement. Like from now on, I'm going to be self-conscious about listening to Benediction on the Fourth of July. But um, uh, you know, but it was good. And you, you, you called me out here. I am back home from the Exsanguinated tour. I like a month now. I, I've shaved a few times. I've been back and forth to work. I've da da da. But um, I did want to shout out some uh, 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 those venues and things like that. Like, we've, we've been on the schedule with the podcast where we've been kind of, like, wild and we'll, I had a bunch of stuff uh, pre-recorded when I was away for those two weeks and then then henceforth since. Um, so I just wanted to give the listeners, like, a little, you know, I, there was a lot of people that came up uh, at shows, listeners, people that wanted to come on the show and things like that, man. I got everybody... Uh, I remember you all. Big shout out to all you guys. I appreciate it. We're going to get to everybody, man. So I just wanted to, like, give that kind of, like, I'm back in the building shout out, even though it's been a month and I'm going to be out of the building again coming up soon. Um, early bird listeners can still catch us. Reeking Aura, that is, uh, with um, False Gods and Replicants uh, in Middletown, New York, at Quinn's Pins tonight and at The Nail in Ardmore, Pennsylvania uh, tomorrow. Uh, Saturday, um, if you're if you're listening to this in real time when it drops, I'm, I'll be at the uh, the Quinn's Pin show. Oh, sweet! Is that like closer to to your locale than than where we normally play down here? Yeah, I mean it's definitely it's it's closer than than anywhere in Long Island. It's like maybe it's a little less than an hour, but there's no yeah. shitty like New York City bridge and tunnel tra- traffic, so it, it's uh it's a little easier to get to. Dude, I hear you. Are we, you know, as you know, Reeking Aura rehearses in uh, North Jersey. Uh, that rehearsal studio, that's in the, that's like adjacent to Patterson, no? The one I sent you, the link, smack. Uh, yeah, I didn't really look at the at, at it on a map, but yeah, I think it, it is pretty. Yeah. I, whatever the town it's in, I, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I, I've like heard of that town. It's chill. It's a nice. Easy place to drive to for rehearsal, man. I look forward to my North Jersey Sunday morning rehearsals with Reeking Aura, of which one you'll be partaking soon because you're coming out on the road with us in August, man. That's going to be a fun time. Uh, August 3rd through the 12th, we're going out there with Atoll and Pyrexia um, uh, to a town near you uh, on the East Coast going all the way down to Florida and back, man. Check it out on social media. Yeah, down to uh, down to America's Wang and then back up again. It's going to be fun. I, I said, Dave, it wasn't enough last time. Now I need to take you down to Florida for three days in August. <laughs> Everyone knows that, that August is the best time to go to Florida. Climate-wise, it's just, you know, really comfortable. Yeah. You know, I'm going to make super, some... We're not going to be, like, sweating through our T-shirts. 
on like a minute by minute basis. Uh, I'm gonna make some reeking aura uh, like swim trunks with the built-in undies. It'll just say nice. reeking, like reeking across the the ass instead of like pink or whatever. You know what I mean? Like how the how the the fashion designers do. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, no. Look, looking forward to that, man. <laughs> I I love this idea. Yeah, <laughs> as I as I as I am realizing, I hate the words coming out of my mouth. You're you're in generating interest in the idea already. Reeking aura, booty shorts, swim trunks. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. You know, I honestly I, I was hoping that like any hotels that we get along the way or like do have swimming pools because I feel like it's August anywhere on the East Coast is going to be hot and shitty. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be swimming weather. I'm probably going to be looking for that AC, just vibing in it for a little while, man. I might kick you guys out. The pool. I might I might shovel you guys in the pool and then go upstairs and lock the door and just vibe in the AC for a while. Yeah, that's cool, man. Watching Cyborg on TV, man. You know, they always have weird movies when you go to a hotel. They, they got these, like, cable channels you wish you had back at home. Yeah, that's the one thing I miss about, uh like, regular television is that you just flip around and there's, like, some weird fucking movie you haven't seen in like 10 years yeah yeah and it's just like it's like oh i, I never would have thought to like look for this on like netflix or or something yeah oh ghost dad okay you know it's crazy but listen we can reminisce all we want somebody i miss because he's a uh uh a, a long islands what do you call those people um expat uh pat a, the long alum, island alumni? expat. no i'm not gonna bust his balls he's a guest tonight um, former Long Island guy, and now in, in the in, in the nation of New Jersey, making noise. Yeah. Pat Hawkins stopping by with his buddy Kyle Linderman. They got a new project called um, A Systole, unless they're going to set me right about the pronunciation, man. Let's welcome them aboard to explain it further before I go completely off the rails. Baby. Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here with Pat Hawkins and Kyle Linderman of the band Asystole, who just released released their full length album Siren to Blight on I Void Hanger Records. Uh, did I get all that right, guys? Yep, yep, hundred <laughs> percent. Beautiful, uh, Pat. I say welcome back to the Heavy Hole Podcast, Pat, and welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast, Kyle. Thank you for your time, guys. Thank you, sir. Yep, thanks so much. It's great to be here. Cheers, man. Yeah. And like I say, welcome back to Pat, because a while back, if people are a little curious, they can go back. Pat, you were here with Jimmy Height uh, in the context of Needle Pusher, I think um, that episode would have been titled because it was to push um, Needle Pusher, which was your uh, more more new project at the moment, if, if, if memory serves me correct. And we got into a little bit of your history and your background. You're a Long Island guy, no matter how far you run from it um so so people it's can... always there man yeah <laughs> there's long island people everywhere so my my whole point with that being uh, i just want people to get a little background because we got kyle on the line here and as you told me behind the scenes pat kyle you were like um no pun intended instrumental in the writing of this assistily release does i get that right yeah yeah uh i like to think that we hit about the 50 50 uh like ratio of writing 
um, just sending stuff back and forth. So yeah, you're correct. Okay. Yep. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that's it. Okay, fair enough. So, so Kyle, um, this the typical heavy hole question: Are you from a musical family? Anyone in your upbringing that steered you towards playing an instrument or into heavy music? So, musical family definitely like almost obnoxiously so like my uh, my grandparents my mom's side like uh, met at juilliard and stuff and my grandma was like a church organist grandpa was the french horn player um so my mom growing up she was an oboe player so growing up i was kind of always told that i mean when i was i grew up around music but it was kind of always it was always insinuated that i had to be good at it just for some reason, just because a lot of other people in my family were already musical. So in that regard, yeah, I, uh, I grew up in a musical family, lots of R&B, classical uh, music. Um, but on the metal side, nah, dude, that's like, that was my whole thing. I went through the classic, like, oh man, I can't deal with the vocals, you know, the classic stuff that like some, some parents will give you um but uh yeah i can get into like you know like what what band got me into metal like early on um if you'd like to um I, yeah i do man i also wanted to well just quickly because you're playing bass in this band that we're talking about now is that your first instrument what was your first instrument first instrument was actually uh played trombone in like high school and uh and i, and I loved it it was it was great but sometime in high school i just got like seventh grade i had a drummer and a guitar player on my block and so it was kind of like originally the reason i like oh i'm gonna go play bass and try to get good at bass is because of that um but then i like dove head first in more than my friends on my block so I started with trombone but then started playing bass for like an arbitrary reason and then just fell fell in love completely Got it. And now take us through that first metal band. First metal band. So there's a band called Subterfuge um, that we played in Philly. Uh, we were together throughout high school. Um, ended after I finished my undergrad. Um, it was it was uh, it was death metal um, for sure. It was definitely a lot of, like kind of like Black Dahlia Murder influence. Um, I interjected my weird time signature stuff all the time to the chagrin of my bandmates. So it had a little bit of extra stuff too. And yeah, man, we got to play uh, a lot of like the standard um, uh, venues, like Rob Warren promoted a lot of those shows. So I got to, I got to play with some dope bands. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, shout, shout to Rob Wharton, man. Always coming up. Yeah. Um, always coming up somewhere on the podcast, man. Yeah. So so you're originally from New Jersey, I would take it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I'm uh I'm from South Jersey. Um my first band was out of South Jersey. Um we played at uh Surreal Sound Studios in Philly, was like our practice space is where we ended up. So that's kind of where we met also like bands like Dark Water's End, which will come up later, I'm sure um uh 
I played bass with Disgorgement for a while, you know, those guys, like, and that was kind of my end with, with, uh, a lot of the bands I ended up playing with in Philly. And it was, uh, it was, it was, it was super dope. Well, your, is your singer was in Dark Waters End, right? John, uh, that's John. Correct. John yep. is, is that, is it his name? Uh, John Dunn. Dunn. Uh, um, John Dunn, the, um, fourth, um, he was, he was in Dark Waters End, you say? Yeah, yep, still is. Dude's freaking awesome. God, because I did book the I speaking of Rob Wharton, he one time he was trying to get a show for them. They I think they were on the road doing a, a series of shows, and I booked them. Pat, you're gonna love this at Shaker's Pub with Buckshot Facelift wow. time. Yeah, it was a it was a random night. No, 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 no. It wasn't Shakers, it was um Comiskey? Comiskey was Park. It? it was Comiskey Park. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Terrell told me about that, and I was racking my brain to think if I was there, and I don't think I was, but that is a crazy coincidence. A lot of strange bands you wouldn't think have trucked it out and played at Comiskey Park Bar. I don't know if you know. I would love to play there more. You know, it's (laughs) I don't know. There's something about it. It's definitely a funky local Long Island spot, man. But yeah, Dark Waters End. I remember played there. I still have the CD, man. They had a funky like old school kind of uh scooby-doo wagon like a like a like a short school bus type of thing modified kyle you remember that i don't remember that exactly <laughs> but i mean that sounds like them i i have no doubt those are a bunch of great guys a bunch of goofballs love them funky band man all right so pat last time we had you on you were promoting needle pusher um, I'm trying to get to the point where you hook up with Kyle and you guys start writing this material for this band and the genesis um, of this particular project. Yeah, yeah. So, um, right. Last time I was on here, we talked a lot about Needle Pusher. And at that time, I was definitely in like talking all about Brutals. Um, and it's just at least a little different. Um, so, you know, where I kind of come from is like, you know, I didn't even know all of that about Kyle's background. Um, I guess we talked about this a little bit last time, but like my dad was a big guitar player and played a lot of like, um, almost like technical finger style, I guess you could call it. Um, like some of it's like country almost like Chet Atkins, but, um, also a lot of like blues guitar and, um, I don't know, like some, some old prog rock stuff even um probably the most little interesting anecdote there is um if you know the fusion band dixie Drakes, uh which features the guitar player steve morse who ended up being in um he was like richie blackmore's replacement in deep purple and etc um apparently one time my dad played with the drummer of the dixie Drakes, who like wrote a bunch of drum instructional books and all that kind of stuff so like not metal but like in some kind of, I got exposure to a lot of like a little bit of odd stuff um, kind of early on. Um, and that like that was in parallel to me listening to like, I don't know, like corn or something, you know, when I was like 10 or something. So um, that's where I was at really, really early. Um, went through the whole metal thing and it was like kind of always gravitated towards like uh I don't know, a certain type of guitar playing, you know, like um, Testament was big for me, um, Necrophagist, uh, Suffocation, Nile, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
I played, my first band was Aberrated, who we might touch on later on. And that was more of like a studio project. Um, kind of similar situation to what Kyle said about like, just like the guys on the block playing some stuff. Um, Vinny, who lived around the block from me, played drums. And, you know, we were kind of coming up at the same time. So influenced each other a lot, gelled on that stuff, came up with some of those tracks. But it kind of didn't really go anywhere other than like recording and stuff like that. Um, didn't really have bands and stuff going on. Fast forward a few years, uh, me and Terrell always wanted to do something. Um, we, you know, he had been talking with Nick Criffo of Thetis. Um, the three of us started that band. Um, long story short, we get Corey in, we get Jimmy Hyde in, and we're starting to play a couple of shows. And this is probably like 2015, 2016 or something like that. Um, so it was like my first real band playing anything. And I think it was our third show ever. So first one was in a basement, Sam Shurek's basement in Oneonta. Uh, second show was Vitus. So that's like a pretty big leap. And then third show was the gutter Christ show in New Jersey at, uh, I want to say the place is in Bayonne or Kearney or something. Um, you would definitely know the spot if I said it. I, I can't think of it. But that's where I met Kyle. And he was playing with Disgorgement at the time. So, you know, we were kind of new and um, doing our thing. It was the first Jimmy Height show, actually. So that was our first uh, show with bass. Um, so, you know, we were a little discombobulated. Kyle, like, lent us his amp and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, um, we played a decent set, all things considered, I, I think. But, you know, it was like a small little local show. Um, and, uh, you know, Disgorgement comes on. And at that time, I'm like 100% like, we were writing the first Theatus record. So, like, I have my, like, weird approach kind of like, you know, morbid angel meets steve morse or whatever it was i grew up listening to but like really trying to absorb like as much brutal stuff to kind of try to write this record and disgorgement was totally in that vein uh and those dudes were shredding and uh you know plus they helped us out so we were hanging out back at stage at this this classic gutter christ show um and it was weird i think it was like us two brutal bands uh then like I think Wolves Attack was the headliner. Dudes with like, uh, mm -hmm. you're right. Yeah, yeah you're right. Dudes with like, I don't know, like Renaissance Fair looking like, I don't know, like all their songs were about wolves and stuff like that. It was yeah, hilarious. I, I, I know. mean, the Wolf Mask. Oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I remember this. Yes, yes. Yeah, and um, you know, I think this was the name of the place was Hartley's. And, um, yes, that's it. Yeah. Oh, God, I couldn't remember it. Yeah. yeah. There was a third band, too, I can't remember, but, you know, just funny story. Like, I remember me and Terrell standing by, like, our couple of T-shirts, and we had, like, you know, a bunch of white ones and a giant pile of, like, white with a black logo and stuff. And the whole thing at the end was that gutter and wolves attack just, like, trashed the place. Um, in a weird kind of gentle way, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like it was too reckless. Like you could see that people would kind of like look around for a second and then kind of tip a chair over, but it was yeah. definitely almost like simulated destruction. 
it was weird. You could tell, but, um, you could tell people were having fun. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it was good. It, it definitely wasn't too out there, but it was a little surreal. And um, you know, I just remember like those initial the initial batch of white Thetis T-shirts had some interesting colors from just things being thrown all over the place and effectively getting dyed with whatever people was drinking. Anyway. Um, that's where me and Kyle met, and it was a fun time, and, you know, Disgorgement was awesome. Everyone in that band was really talented, and I remember you talking about Subterfuge backstage, Mm and, you know, we were talking about, like, what we had going on and stuff like that, um, and, you know, this is, like, still writing the first Thetis record and stuff like that, and it was kind of around that time that Kyle contacted me out of the blue, basically saying, yep. like, would you want to start a studio project? Um, and maybe I'll toss it over to you there. I'll yeah. Cover that. Um, for sure. Because, like, towards, towards the end of Subterfuge, I was getting more interested. Like, I was, I mean, I was actually listening to a lot of, like, Artificial Brain and, like, Colored Sands from Gorguts and stuff. You know, like, I kind of started to really get more into the more dissonant side of death metal. And I kind of started to write a bit more like that for Subterfuge, but then the band fell apart. Um, so I was in a situation um, where I was at that show that Pat was talking about, and I had a great time. And, you know, Pat, like you said, like your set was all right. Well, I thought I was really good. And I remember watching you play and being like, that's like the kind of a guitar player that like I've been looking for to like start something with like stylistic, like something about how you played, um, how you play these dissonant chords and how you kind of like pulled off that style in such a really cool way where it was like a couple, I don't know if it was a couple years later, like it was out of the blue, but my, after subterfuge fell apart and I went to grad school, um, I'm like an engineer. We're both engineers, but like, um, so, so I moved to Delaware and I started grad school and I'm like, all right, like, I'm not going to be doing the whole going to rehearsal every week with the band, but I need something to do creative. I have an idea of a style I want to do that. It's, and it sounds like and I'm hearing Thetas at that concert. It was like, Pat obviously, you know, is about that, that style, that dissonant death metal style getting, you know, doing strange chords and all that fun stuff that I know we all like. And I messaged him on Facebook out of nowhere. And I'm like, yo, dude, like my band broke up. I'm looking for a new creative thing. Would you want to start a band? Would you want to start writing together? Like completely remotely, like sending guitar profiles back and forth, essentially. So you, Pat, you had, you had like a riff just like sitting on your hard drive and you, you you called it like 12 tone right and yeah 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 it was just like sitting there and and we we're just like kind of we're throwing paint at the wall and you're and you're like well i have this thing you know like and so i just like i remember i downloaded it and i just started working on something that i think could go could be cool for the next part of this riff and we started massaging it out and kind of learning about each other's writing style every time uh we'd send it back and forth it was a really unique experience because it's kind of like it was like sending letters back and forth and learning a little bit about how each of us operate kind of bit by bit and and then talking like yo dude like how crazy can we make this like you know like like and i started making more time signatures and stuff like i'm pretty sure i like 
I think like the <laughs> that uh, that first riff that you had in your hard drive was like the only one of the few that actually I didn't like fuck up with weird time signatures and stuff. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know. It just kind of we gelled real quick. And like that said, like yeah, like we're I think we're really close in a lot of like interesting musical ways because of how it's been working together and we get along real well and everything. But like we've probably only actually hung out a couple of times, you know? Um, so it's kind of, it's been a unique experience. And then over the years, over a couple of years when I was in grad school, before we knew it, we had like six songs completely done. And then this last April, it took a while to like go and find other members of the band. Um, John from Darkwater's End and then uh, James from Replicant and a bunch of other awesome bands. Um, and uh, then before we know, we had an album out finally. So it's been a freaking awesome, awesome time. I'm super proud of this album, man. That that's it's it, hearing you say Replicant. I didn't even realize he was playing with Replicant at the moment. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Yeah. He was on their last record, I think. Yeah, um, he was. Yeah, yeah. The blue yeah. one. I can't remember the name. You know what I'm saying? Not to take anything away from him. I just can't keep track of everybody all the time. Uh, and I'm talking, I'm talking to other I'm with you, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking to other people from Replicant behind the scenes um, because by the time people hear this, they still might have time to catch Replicant and my band Reeking Aura are doing a series of shows with False Gods July 12th through the um, uh, 15th here in the New York and New Jersey area, man. But um. Uh, Speaking of that, I'm I'm gonna try to catch you on Thursday. You're on Kearney, I think. Didn't we get Thetis on one of those, or no? I don't think so. Um, Bugging, I think I think something uh, something didn't line up. But that's the listeners know we're always trying to get keep it keep it in the family. Yeah, um, you got it. Yeah, but it's not about me. It's about you guys uh, at the moment. So, <laughs> um, we we you caught us up to speed pretty good with the band, with how you guys come together. You start writing. Um, you mentioned, uh, the, you, you said the brain word, uh, and you mentioned colored sands by gore guts and other <laughs> acts and everything. It's all good, dude. I got, I got nothing but love for fans of, uh, that band, uh, through the years. And, and I, you know, I, I can't help but acknowledge uh, that. So, um, what I liked about the record when I was listening to it earlier today, it is, is the clarity. There's a very good mix. You went to Colin Marston. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he was in control of all the tracking or how, how like, how, what, what was the recording process? It was completely in studio with him or? That, not actually. Um, so he did the, he did the production in terms of uh, mixing and mastering um, and reamping and stuff like that. Um, but me and Kyle recorded the stuff at home and, you know, I almost forgot about it, but this was like, I recorded my guitar tracks in like March, 2020. Um, I just got like furloughed from my job and spent like a week recording this record. Um, that was like my job for a week. And then I was like, fuck, now what do I do? Anyway, um, you know, so that was that. Um, Kyle recorded bass a little bit after. Um, I think James had the drum tracks already. Yep. He did. Um, yeah, yeah which is a whole other like you know we wrote I, you know i was we wrote a lot of stuff and put a lot of effort into this and was like who who the fuck can play these parts you know <laughs> like drum wise like in some ways like i was worried that we wrote ourselves into a corner because um 
you know, I always try to make tech stuff not too obvious in the sense of like showing off kind of thing, but this definitely is a technical record. And um, there's a lot of wild stuff in there. And um, yeah, Kyle hit up James, um, who, yeah, yeah, you knew through some channel or another. And I think yeah, he's like a Berkeley thing. grad or something. And just like, mm. he wrote out parts in like a week. And yep. like, this was like stuff that I remember agonizing over some of these riffs for like, you know, like one riff for a week. And he writes the whole record in like a week. And then he's like, I'm going to go into the studio for like two days. He recorded at Frightbox, uh, I believe, with Ben mm -hmm, Harris, yeah. who um, I believe plays in Windfarer, who incidentally James is also in. Um, and uh, yeah, I was like, I don't know if you can do this in two days. You know, like, he just like wrote the part, sent us like little MIDI files of kind of what he had mapped out. And I was like, I mean, this is sweet, but like, how's he going to pull this off, especially in two days? Like, and he did it. I mean, it was ridiculous. And he just sent a couple of videos just being like, check it out, like playing some drums. And it was unbelievable. So it was like, wow, we kind of went from like project a little bit on life support to like, bam, like <laughs> the hardest part is done. There, there. Unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah. James was unbelievable on that. So yeah, then we recorded at home, and uh, the last piece of that was John, um, mm -hmm. and you know he wrote the lyrics, um, which are awesome, by the way. And um, you know, I I can't think of who we recorded with. Um, oh, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah who um, was that? So he actually went to uh, the one of the two guitar players of Darkwater's End is like okay. a really really talented uh, recording artist in his own right. He has some um stuff uh uh he's one of the two ians in the band that is not the drummer <laughs> um and it took a little bit because i think he was like rebuilding his computer whatever it took a little bit for john to actually get over there and record but yeah john for going there and getting really really freaking dope uh recording recordings for the songs and uh and then at that point it was like yeah i think pat's right in that the big hurdle was the drums because let's get real like pat and i wrote a bunch of crazy ass riffs and then we were like i like i couldn't even fathom what drums would be with it you know like it's like yeah. imagine like what someone would play to this stuff that like that we wrote like i'm not going to pretend to be like oh yes i had all these ideas i had zero um except for like the most vague stuff of like maybe a blast beat here you know that's what like, i do you know like there's yeah. a fast part and i'm like a blast would be sick but you know <laughs> like i remember <laughs> talking to james about it and i was like you could do some blasts and he's like all right all right i'll come up with some <laughs> you know yeah. but like i don't know <laughs> um it's a whole different world um and the cool thing with that too is like you know um he didn't just come up with stuff that sounded like a bunch of like chopped up edited wild stuff or whatever like really musical parts that fit the song um and i mean we kind of knew from applicant that he would get it you know mm -hmm. um but yeah just always nothing but praise for james recording on that record 100 percent yeah, got got it, man. And um, yeah, just just funny for me to make those connections sometimes, man. I don't realize, you know, what what everyone's doing behind the scenes. Like I said, uh, shout out to James. Now, speaking of this recording, 
uh, and the tracking of it and that sort of thing. With, with in mind the type of music it is, it's, it is very technical. If you want to throw the dissonant word on there, um, it's maybe a guitarist or instrumentalist's death metal. Uh, you guys want to talk about any gear in particular that was involved, whether it's just the type of guitar you used or the uh, any pedals in particular. I don't know anything of that nature. Huh. You know, what's funny is like, I feel like I do spend a lot of time on, you know, I dabble in theory. Um, you know, I don't want to say I'm too proficient, but, you know, it, it's there and what I write and um, I play a lot and all these bands and stuff, but never been too much of a gearhead so i mean i can say that uh you know i played my blue carbon which i play in thetas basically all the time which is a uh oh man dc 127 or something i can't even remember um but that was awesome that one has uh single coils on the middle and and neck pickup uh which kind of give the leads a little bit of a funky tone sometimes and um I think I second tracked with the RGA 121, who uh, you probably know of from from Rick in Reeking Aura. Um, we always nerded out on those guitars. Um, but yeah, in terms of the amps and stuff like that, I recorded at home with basically like a temporary tone. Again, it was kind of like 2020. And um, kind of let Colin take care of the tone. And, um, you know, I'm kind of picky on the tone. So that was kind of like... I know Colin gets the style, so like I, you know, we could trust him with that for sure. Um, but I didn't, I didn't overthink it. I don't, I don't think, um, you know, um, I don't think I used any pedals on the record either. Um, I think, you know, maybe we slapped on like a, a little bit of delay or something like that. Just like on, um, might have just been digital effects for like certain parts. Um, and there's like cleans in the background and stuff. Most of the like cool sound effects are just via like having like a layer of guitars kind of in the background, not so much, um, you know, uh, sound effects kind of a thing. Got it. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle uh, I was going to pass it to you if there was anything in particular gear wise you want to talk about. No, I mean, I kind of took a similar similar approach. Um, I have a, a Spectre NS2005, which is like a five-string bass that I love. But and that was actually my main bass at the time. But uh, I only we, I only use that at one song, and I'm pretty sure Pat, you use a seven-string on one song. Oh, um, actually, yeah, I did neglect that. So everything on the album. Sorry to go on a tangent, oh, but. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, everything's in like D standard, which is Theta's tuning. Um, the song "Sophist Paralysis," which is uh, I think song number five. Um, yeah, that's in like drop A sharp or something like that. Uh, weird. So you know, yeah. So I had to be a different guitar because it's like far off enough, different string gauge, and blah blah blah. And um. I played an ESP LTD, which was like the first guitar I got when I was like 13. And, um, you know, I, I can never kind of bring myself to part with the thing, even though I don't actually play it that much, just out of a sentimental, like first guitar status. And it's pretty good. Um, but I use that for that. So, you know, I remember talking to Colin too, and he's like, the levels on these guitars are totally different than every other song. Like, is something wrong here? Like, like nah you know so um but it worked out um but you know technical difficulties but uh 
Yeah, that was that one. Um, and like, I think I switched out the pickups from active to um, something or other. Um, but anyway, um, that's kind of a weird hodgepodge guitar. Um, but I can yeah. I bring it back to uh, to the bass stuff, which um, yeah. So it was NS two thousand five, and then my Spectre four string, um, which I use for the vast majority of uh, subterfuge stuff. Um, and yes, yeah, so that's what I use on everything. I when I sent was sent to Colin, I sent him a DI track, and then I sent him uh, like a grittier, more distorted track through the dark glass. And as and I'm and then as soon as he got it, I'm pretty sure Pat Pat sent me a message. He's like, "Yo, dude, like, is it cool if Colin reamps it?" And I'm like, "Of course, dude. Like, Colin's like my favorite, you know, uh, mixer. A lot of my favorite albums, like he did, like." I just knew that he was going to do a really great job with it, and he did. Um, yeah, and I mean, one more thing, if it's all right, it's, it's, it's all different, but like personally, I feel like something I'm really proud of with the album is that it's it doesn't sound over too overproduced, and the performances I think sound like if someone said like, yeah, we actually recorded this live together, I think it wouldn't be like too far fetched. For that because i think that our performances were pretty pretty organic sounding like like i didn't freak out over it being perfect because this album is a chaotic mess right in a, in a good way i think hopefully hopefully in a good way um so i didn't want it to sound um too ov- overly polished for this sound and i, and I, th- I think we were successful with that yeah, I think for me, uh, you know, like my biggest risk or concern with like a technical record like this is that it would sound like, um, I don't want to throw shade on any band, but there's a lot of technical bands out there that sound like, you know, like a computer could have played it, you know, and especially the way we did it, um, kind of all over the place, like Kyle's in Delaware, um, John's in South Jersey, um, James is in kind of west, north, middle-ish Jersey. Um, I'm kind of in the north Jersey area now, but that's still probably like an hour from me. So it's like, you know, just logistically, we had to do it this way. And um, I didn't want it to sound like it was cut and paste from a bunch of different sessions, you know. Um, That is definitely one of the reasons we went to Colin, too. Like, all of his recordings... um, you know, colored sands or artificial brain you mentioned, um, but all the Kralis stuff and just the sensibility always sounds like real people played the music, you know? So um, as crazy as it was, like I wanted to go for that more so than the super polished thing. Um, and yeah, I think, I think we achieved that. And, you know, definitely Colin had a lot to do with that. Yeah, I, that's that may be, you know, what I was in, inferring before when I was asking about tracking with Colin, because it does have a very uh, natural, like live uh, sound to it. Um, and it has a, a distinct, you know, pr- production to its own, but it has that kind of Colin Marston produced sound. Um, everything, there's a clarity to it. Now, maybe right there, if we could segue for a second, to, uh, it, is it is it aberrated? Did I pronounce it right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you talked about how Aberrated is really like one of, if not your first project that was always kind of yeah. backburnered. 
along the years, um, along with, uh, is it uh, uh, Vinny Padovano? That's right, Vinny Padovano. Vinny Padovano um, drums. I remember you telling me about this uh, like maybe over a decade ago. Uh, yeah, and that was when the band was a decade old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but I love this because we come now to um, uh, uh, 2023 and you guys have finally released something um, and I should say it's on uh, our old friends, Lifeless Chasm Records. You can go back and check out our interview uh, with Lifeless Lifeless Chasm Records. But the Aberrated EP Twisted Forms just came out in 2023 with Vinnie Padovano on drums and Corey, your vocalist from Thetis, uh, doing the vocals. Now, I mean, obviously, we kind of know a little bit of the background there, but you want to just take us through that maybe in terms of some of the same things, the recording process and so on, maybe compare and contrast, because Aberrated, as much as I love it, it's a different beast. It's a little bit more brutal, a little bit more to the point, uh, and the production is a little bit more raw, but I think that lends it to the energy of it, uh, if if any of that is fair for me to say. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, yeah, this goes way back. So um, I guess the best point on that is that the song Moonlit Immolation I think Vinny and I wrote like the first iteration in, I don't know, call it 2004, 2005. So definitely we were in high school or something like that. And, um, you know, Tracers, we probably did sometime around when the Thetis uh, demo was coming out. But like, you know, it was like a track here and there um, as a back burner sort of a thing. Um, And yeah, so those drum tracks were recorded in a basement in Bayshore uh, by Vinny, who um, he did end up going to to school for music production and stuff. Uh, this was kind of at the stage when he was just um, doing it as a hobby in high school and stuff. And we, we had some equipment, you know, um, probably antiquated already. But yeah, so it was like we had those drum tracks. Um, and it's like no metronome, just like in a basement, you know, I think they came out pretty cool, all things considered, but it's like, you know, every track was recorded in like a different room, you know, like I was pretty impressed with how Vinny was able to get the stuff to sound kind of continuous across the album. Um, but like, yeah, it couldn't have been more different than this in a way. Um, I recorded the guitars with like a, Marshall combo, um, which I think I still have, but I basically just use it for like the speakers for practice because the amp part of it doesn't work anymore. Um, so it's like with like an SM57 in front of it. Um, and like the, the guitar tone on one song is definitely a little off from the rest of it and all that kind of stuff. Um, probably in some ways, some questionable decisions, but like we kind of liked how it was. I don't know, like this, it kind of captured where we were at at the time. And, um, you know, I really like those old raw sounding brutal records. And um, it is a little more brutal in some ways, but there's also like, you know, like the song Five Clicks has an acoustic passage with like a, you know, pseudo Jeff Loomisy solo. Um, and again, like this weird production helps it from being like a, you know, super polished tech thing, um, which I guess I'm always trying to avoid. Um, so yeah, it's, I recorded the bass on that too. I am 
100% not a bassist. I kind of winged it and, you know, it ended up sounding kind of okay. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, uh, the, the tracks all came out pretty good. Uh, Corey kind of put the last piece in as sort of the guest vocalist. Um, it was always just me and Vinny, but, um, you know, I showed Corey the tracks and he was like, wow, like you've been sitting on this for a while. Um, sure. Um, like I think five clicks was the first slam I ever wrote. Um, so it's all like sentimental and historical tracks too. Um, so yeah, um, Corey finished that off. Uh, I sent like some very, very raw takes of this to, uh, Cody at lifeless chasm and he was all about it. Um, and you know, it kind of went from there. And so, yeah, it's kind of like a demo compilation slash EP, um, in a way, you know, like, well, we do actually, this kind of got us kickstarted. So we want to do a record. Um, with some scraps of stuff and some new stuff that we have, um, you know, again, kind of long timeline. Hopefully it's out by the time I'm like 53 or something. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, just really happy to have it out basically. And, uh, you know, happy with how it sounds super raw. Um, and what's kind of interesting, I guess, is that like, on that album, I did a lot of the lead stuff slash like semi proggy stuff. Like I was always influenced by bands like uh, Acre Cocky and even like older Opeth and stuff like that a lot. And um, I didn't really have a place for that in Thetis. So it was nice to kind of get that out via Apparated, but also touch on it a little bit with Asystole when we got that going. Um, so, got yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All over the place there, but uh, that's, no, no, that's the story there. I appreciate the background. With I didn't even realize that full story with Aberrate and how it was kind of like a chronological project over you know over a, a long period of time. It's that's very interesting too to listen to it back now. Um, and you gave me a perfect uh, segue um, to go right back to uh, a Sisterly, as you said. Now. Are there, I know like you guys have already explained, this has kind of always been a studio project, remote project. Are there any plans to play live or is there any plans for new material being written? Um, yes to both. So, um, you know, we do have probably, you know, I don't want to say anything cause it's like, you know, still in the figuring it out phase, but we probably have a pretty sweet, um, possibly like festival type show one-off thing coming up early next year. Um, so Pat, hello. Uh, just, yeah. Hello, check, check. Hello. Hello. Okay. I'm sorry, Pat. I got you about the fest, but I lost you right after that. If you want to just, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have like, we always planned on doing like the occasional one-off um, logistics, make it difficult to do much more than that, but uh, you know, it'll happen. And we have like a pretty good one coming up next year. I think um, yep. that'll be announced at some point, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, we, we actually wrote a ton of stuff for a, for a second record. Actually uh, when we wrote the first one, there's a bunch of unused material for that one that we ended up kind of, 
going back to recently and pillaging for material and uh, reworking a little bit, um, making it a little, mixing what we had mentally back then with where we're at now a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, I went crazy, like, just writing, like, a couple months ago. I just, like, that's all I felt like doing. And, yeah, I mean, we have we have a bunch of songs, and I wrote a bunch of new stuff, and... Yeah, I mean, I'm really, I'm really excited for like what we do next, and yeah, it's bumped. Okay, hundred percent. So, so we're gonna tell people to watch you guys on social media for the, the um, all these mysterious uh, luxuries, as our friend Rick would say. Uh, coming, coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's I memory. can hear it. Yeah. Um. And by the way, incidentally, um. So. The song Tracers on the Aberrated EP, um, that was kind of written around the same time when I was doing the Thetis demo. Um, so you can kind of hear the, like, lots of pinch harmonics thing starting there. Um, and the piece that ended up being the asystole demo track was kind of, that first minute or so was written around the same time, too. So when Kyle reached out to me, I had those parts that like it just didn't fit where Thetis was at the time. Um, you know, it's a little scronky as the as the kids say. Um, you know, like I was listening to a lot of colored sands and what have you at the time. And um yeah, so all that stuff has kind of been parallel. Um and incidentally Corey played on or did vocals on that demo track as well. Um so there's there's a whole bunch of connections all over the place. Yeah, Pat, you have your own uh, multiverse uh, going on over there. I think we <laughs> we covered for the most part, uh, and we have Terrell on as a co-host frequently, and we talk about Thetis and all that sort of thing, man. Um, uh, so I think we covered. If you want to add anything else about any other projects you might be working on, and then obviously I want to pass to Kyle and give you the same um uh platform if there's just anything else uh any other projects you're working on or anything else you, you had to add to the um discussion um yeah um, for me oh i'm sorry <laughs> go ahead <laughs> okay no, no just real quick um i'm working with some guys in south jersey um on a band called wither horde and uh we have a bunch of songs done and it, it's much more melodic it's much more um palatable i guess in terms of being uh, melodic and you know it, it and that's been a lot of fun so uh, keep an eye out for for wither horde that's really all i got okay fair enough wither horde um sound, sounds like you guys are dipping into the swedish stuff no that's okay there's no problem with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably you're probably right <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm busting balls uh pat uh, did I miss? Is there some other project out there? Is there like another Thetis multiverse character that I missed? <laughs> um, so yeah, I actually have Bandcamp open to like try to remember what the fuck I'm doing. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so Thetis record number two is pretty much written. I gotta, um, you know, start demoing that. Um, there's a bunch of needle pusher tracks and you know, a bunch of Asistly tracks in the works too. Um, you know, the one thing I, I got to mention is uh, me and Terrell, with Terrell on drums, uh, have been working on a little project called Solastalgia. 
for the last few years. Um, and we played our first show with uh, our friend Pablo, who you know, on vocals, um, supporting Sarmat uh, a few weeks ago. Um, so that that's in the, the multiverse, a lot of connections there too. Um, and that's kind of in the, I don't know, I guess everything's prog brutal with me lately, but that's that's also in there. Okay, a lot there. So nostalgia. I do. I did know about that. Terrell uh, put me onto that. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it out to that show. I know you guys played up on a rooftop somewhere out there in, in New York City. Yeah, no worries. So it got moved at the last minute, and it was at a different place. And uh, not only that, but that was like that that day when everything was orange and like no one could breathe and stuff. So it was, you know, it actually fit the name of the band, uh, but. You know, weird day for a first show. Uh, I think a lot of people are a little spooked. So we'll, we'll be out there again. Yeah, fair enough. I was out of state, man. That was, yeah, it was all fucked up, man. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, regardless, man, I really appreciate both you guys taking the time and breaking down a little bit behind the scenes um, on not just, uh, I should say, the um, uh, Asystole uh, album, Siren to Blight, full-length album on I Void Hanger Records. That's I, Void Hanger Records, based out of Italy. Uh, people should check that out. If you're into the, we'll just say, the whole, the whole dissonant thing, you mentioned Colored Sands. You met, people know by now this kind of subgenre, respectfully, that has um, become a, a neighborhood of metal uh, that people are exploring. I, I think this is this album you guys have, have put on is is a, a worthy addition, and they should definitely check out I Void Hanger Records if the listeners aren't familiar with that label. Um, it's a good place to start if maybe they're just starting to explore some of this stuff. Aberrated, on the other hand, very brutal, very raw. Maybe regular listeners of the show would think it's a little more in Big Will's wheelhouse. This is what Will likes to listen to when he's looking at the Hell's Headbangers website in his underwear. I don't know. Who knows? Um... But no, seriously, it's been brutal stuff. I like, <laughs> I like the fact, <laughs> I like the fact, <laughs> I like the guy, I like the fact that you guys took some of the old and you finished it off, like it took an old project and finished it off with something new that's very underground and very metal. Um, and I'm gonna ask people to check out uh, and be on the lookout for all of your projects, Pat, that you mentioned, um, and also for Wither Horde, as you mentioned, Kyle. Now, if you guys each want to take a turn, like we always do. Each of you, please recommend an older and a newer release by any artist you like, album, EP, demo, metal, any genre, just something from back in the day and something from a little more recently that you like to talk about for a minute. I'll go first. Um, yeah. So uh, this is an album that we all, you know, I'm sure we all know and, and love, but I've been just been like uh, diving back into it. So I'm sure no one's forgot about it, but it's... Uh, Dechristianized through vital remains. Oh yeah, just just like for some. I mean, when I was like young, I remember hearing the song Dechristianized for the first time, and I had heard you know some some uh, death metal at the time, and that was the first time that like when I was young that that melody at the end like still to this day gives me chills. Um, so vital remains Dechristianized is the quote unquote old album old for me i guess um and the new album is this band called uh uh a memorage and it's it's kind of like a an homage to a lot of like the nostalgic new metal that i'm such a big 
that that like got me to this stage right it's it, it's a uh, the uh, album's called Memorage as well it's it's a, like a modern twist on a lot of like on on a lot of like early Slipknot kind of stuff and it's another guy who you know grew up on this stuff thought he was too cool for it at a certain point moved somewhere else and then came back to it and was like you know what nah this stuff's cool as shit there's a lot of there's like some new takes on it some modern metal takes in there so i'm gonna go with memorage for my new album it's like hemorrhage but with an m yeah um unfortunately my my old man um uh Ill, amnesia is getting to me right now what's what's the guy's name who does memorage crap i saw him on twitter I, it was, um we're guest of the show so i'm trying to say this respectfully man i'm looking it up right now because I do follow him on Instagram, and I see that Memorage is blowing up right now within this kind of new metal resurgence community, man. Um, I, I want people to uh, no, hold on a second. I might have to ask Tom to edit this now, man, because I can't let this go. Hold on one second. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking too. <laughs> this guy, well, this guy's yeah, a- his name's Gary. Gary. I don't see on the. All right, well, I'm going to edit it right now. We're going to do it like this. Yeah, shout out to Gary from Memorage. Um, we interviewed him a while ago. He, he's another guy with a whole multiverse of projects and lore and all that sort of thing. Listeners can go back and check that one out, man. So we appreciate that. Um, and then passing off, Pat, how about you, man? Old one and a new one. Yeah, uh, so for an old record... Um... I'm going to go with um, Words That Go Unspoken, Deeds That Go Undone uh, by Akercocky. Um So one of my all-time favorite bands. Um, and yeah, it just has that mix of everything. You know, it's, it's brutal, um, really brutal at times. Um, it's got sweet guitar solos. Um, it has basically every major vocal style, um, you know, cleans, very black metal, very guttural death metal. Um, and, you know, it has these clean guitar parts. Um, and, you know, I mean, we mentioned Aberrated before, but there's like a little blast beat with a clean guitar over it thing. That was a total ripoff of uh, what those guys were doing um, back then. And, you know, it's weird. I mean, the album, I think, came out in 2005. And the question if that's considered old enough but i guess it is now it's almost 20 years uh so um yeah i would go with that album just a personal classic that has a little bit of everything um and for a new album um i'll go with blue nothing by worm um so maybe this is more of an ep but same difference and uh it took me a long time to connect with doom metal um i remember the last time i was on here i mentioned church burn which was kind of like my intro uh to the style and that was just out of being a fan of dave suzuki from vital remains um but yeah i thought what worm did on blue nothing was just awesome like phil's lead guitar was really sweet um i've always been a big fan of that type of like shrapnel records type stuff and whenever people can do that in metal but while still having it be aggressive and intense and have that raw style that to me metal should have it's like a 10 out of 10 so 
those are my two all right man solid we got a lot of cool recommendations there uh i appreciate you guys like i said i appreciate all your time to breaking down some of your projects behind the scenes you guys are like a scene of yourself almost over there this tri-state area thing um any parting words now uh for listeners of our show and fans of either asystole or aberrated or thetis or any of you guys music altogether um i mean i'm just really happy to be here you know will like i don't think we ever like spoken i think i i've seen uh, multiple of your bands before i know you say this about us not you but i just want to say i've always been a huge fan of your vocals every time i've seen you um and it's just real cool to be a part of this uh and join all these other awesome bands that have been on here so just real really thanks for having us this is the first podcast i've ever done so it's been really exciting for me and i just really appreciate it man thank you for the compliment man appreciate it well, well welcome to the heavy hole community yeah uh likewise you know always thanks for having me on and you know helping promote the stuff and you know everything you do for the scene you know um yeah i think one little fun fact tidbit that i i realized i left out is the the aberrated album is you know first four tracks are the songs with Corey's vocals and then there's like a b-side on the tape that's just instrumental versions and that was a direct influence from when Afterbirth did that on their newer demo when they started coming back around again. I think right around when you joined might have been even before. Um, but, you know, I thought that was really cool. And Afterbirth, when they first started coming around again, it was, you know, just guitar and drums. They played a few shows. And that's kind of what got me thinking about maybe resurrecting Aberrated. Um, so, you know, um, Major shout out to Afterbirth and, uh, you know, yeah, everything you do. And thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you, man. Yeah. And and just quickly, that was an interesting period when Afterbirth came back. Um, and then they, they, of course, parted ways with Matt. And, and they were there was times they would play as a two piece or a three piece instrumentally. And there was a long adjustment period there with Afterbirth, man. But, yeah, that was an interesting decision to put the instrumentals out. Something that not real that doesn't really happen in metal a lot. I liken it to like in hip hop where they'll release like the song and then like the instrumental, you know, like back in like I don't know if that happens so much nowadays, but back in the old days, like you know, that would be for everyone to do the remix and all that sort of thing. Like you'd put out the instrumental with the with the single, you know. Yeah, I always loved that. And um yeah, I think Niall did that on Ithyphalic, just like two songs, not the whole thing. And uh Suffocation's Blood Oath had a couple um and you know at the time when we wrote them we kind of wrote them to work as instrumentals because we didn't really have a singer and we would kind of get bored of you know come up with all these variations so so, um yeah um i think if not for the afterbirth ep coming out um maybe i wouldn't have really had the i don't know like it's a little bit of an odd decision but it was like cool like the precedent is there it gave me the idea or something so yeah um last fun fact there if i was in the band then it wouldn't have happened cody (laughs) i I, i'm cody knows i'm very fickle behind the scenes with the decisions man but it's all good it's not it's uh um i appreciate that man uh and i'll share with the guys 
Kyle uh, and Pat, thank you very much, guys, man. We're, we're going to encourage the listeners to check out all the music we just talked about, man. You guys have a great night. You too. You too, Take man. Take care. All right, man. I'm going to cut it here. Just guys give me one second. And um, we're probably going to try to get this one out this Friday because I had somebody cancel on me um, earlier in the week. So, uh, you know, I'll let you guys know. I'll keep you posted. I'll shoot you a message. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome, man. Thanks so much, Will. Yeah, yeah, of course, dude. Uh, good to meet you, man. And um, like I said, sure. hopefully, hopefully I'll see you guys in person sooner than later, man. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, I'll try to catch you next week. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's coming up quick. <laughs> Working out yeah. here behind the scenes and all that stuff. Yeah, you got it. All right, man. Um, have a good night, guys. I'll, uh, Like I said, I'll be in touch. You got it. Take care. Right, have a good one. Later. See you. Check. We're back, man. Big shout to um, Kyle Linderman and to Pat Hawkins of a, uh, a Sisterly. Man, we, we wish them the best of luck with that project. Please check out all the music we just discussed with those guys. Uh, Dave, you're still with me. I'm here. I'm uh, unfortunately you can't get rid of me. <laughs> nah, man. Um, we. I was saying before something I want to get into quickly, man. Um, old friends. We have Pat stop by with his buddy Kyle over there. Uh, uh, that summer conquest stabbed and exsanguinated. We did a little gig out there in, in, in June. This is the first time I've really had time to kind of sit back and talk and reflect about it on the podcast, man. We met some great bands out there. Mutal Hatred, future friends of the show. I got to get some of those guys on the show. Um, big great shout band. to them. Um, Morbid Visions. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Ben. I am not. What, uh, can you tell me about them? Are they, uh, uh, it's, it's, Are they Brazilian Death Rash or something else? I'm not going to disclose full full uh, disclosure on that. But yeah, check out Morbid Visions. They're a young band um, coming out of the Wild West there. Uh, Hanging Fortress, great band from, uh, I believe they're they're from the Ohio area, Hanging Fortress. That's an awesome name. Yeah, I it really is. I like that name. I think it's a video game thing, but I'm too old to get it. So I, it's kind of abstract to me, which I like. Um, and I, have you seen Jarhead Fertilizer? I have. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know the record, but they are fucking killer live. I, I will give them that. Yeah, the guy is um, Dave, the the drummer, right? And he's in Full of Hell. Yeah, that's his name, right? Yeah. Oh god, god damn! I forget his last name, but yeah, like he's oh, a fucking no. killer drummer. He's we... like really, like bringing it. Nice guy. I personally realized the nature of the man's forgiveness um for my awkwardness we we went up there to the mid-east up there in boston or i can't i don't know up there up there in massachusetts north 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 of long island um we saw jarhead fertilizer sang with suga but it was crazy like vomit fourth was playing upstairs or something around the corner in another gig and devourment was there it was i was i was it was i was caught what up an amazing night so I see Dave. Dave, Dave Bland. Dave Bland. Thank you, Dave Bland. I wish I had Sorry, you Dave. There. See, I need someone like you, a co-host or a producer there to fact check me in real time. Because this is what I did. 
I was on the street talking with Nick from Vomit Forth, who I know that's his name. Shout out to Nick. And random drunk guy talking about how he needs a drummer for his drum machine jazz band. I don't know. There's always one of those rando guys. When you're trying to catch up with a buddy of yours, there's like a third party that just interjects. And I see Dave Bland from Jarhead Fertilizer and Full of Hell walking across the street to the trailer like he's got to get some. And I haven't seen the guy personally about five years now, since before the pandemic, when Artificial Brain did a few shows with them. So I, so I, I see Dave Bland, and I go, Mark. Hey, Mark. <laughs> oh, no. That's close enough. You know, the, the <sighs> second letter's A in Mark and in Dave. I got the same oh, thing, man. Dude. So, I, so, of course, he doesn't turn his head. So I, like, yell it louder. I yell it louder. Mark, <laughs> and the guy comes over and gives me a pound. I was like, "Oh, hey, what's up?" <laughs> and he goes back inside. And it wasn't until like about an hour and a half later that I realized what I had done, the, the mistake I had made. So yeah, big shout to Dave Bland. At the end of the show, he was on stage packing up some stuff after people had cleared out, and I made a point to just quickly, like, m- modestly go up to him and say, "Dave." Hey, I apologize, you know, before. He was, he laughed, he laughed, we laughed it off. It was funny, man. But yeah, that was like, the. I got to get it out on the podcast because I got to be real with people. That was the most sucker move I've done in a long time. But I thought it was worth a couple of chuckles, maybe. Yeah. Um, Dude, that should happen, believe me. Like, I, I feel like I've totally done that where I've, like, had an entire conversation with someone thinking their name was something else. And then, like, 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh, fuck. <sighs> Uh, so, I'm, yeah, I'm the I'm, I'm the worst. You, just yeah, I'm the worst. Don't don't ever think you're slick out there, man, because that's when you're gonna play yourself. Oh uh, yeah, dude. We had um, uh, big shout to the um, uh, the farewell over there in uh, Kansas City. That was a really cool place. Uh, the uh, Odyssey Lounge in Springfield, um, Missouri as well, man. Missouri, dude beautiful it's a beautiful country man some nice places out there um you know we talk about the st vitus bar all the time man which is a beautiful place but you you know sometimes you get out of state you run into some nice venues as well the collapsing kansas, sun gem i'm sorry kansas go ahead. city was a pretty rad city when i was there uh a few months ago i would definitely I, I didn't get to go to a show there but i mean i like the city so i'm sure it was probably a pretty cool vibe at a at a concert dude yeah i i was down it was cool with me man and um the collapsing sun jam um uh in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, that was a beautiful day on my birthday there. We we were out at a gym. Uh I was probably the oldest guy there and it was at a gym. I I was like a little intimidated, man. I was like how I was like I got my, I hope these guys don't challenge me to a bench contest or how something. How much you bench? Dude, I'm not I'm not talking about I'm on the bench, all right? In gym class with my headphones on listening to the Dahmer demo. That's that's a that, that's a true story. Listen, another <laughs> all right, enough though. I've already clowned myself enough, man. But it's 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 all good, man. It's for the listeners. Um, uh, I, I do it for them. Another band that was heavy in my headphone experience, uh, sitting on the sidelines on the bleachers of gym class, um, in high school, Disharmonic Orchestra. Uh, Dave, yeah. you and I experienced synchronicity the other day. I was gonna say serendipity, but synchronicity seems better. I'm not sure what serendipity means. I, honestly, I think you could meet in the middle on those words. Um, right. I I like both of them for for the experience we shared. Uh, Serendosity. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the new. All right. Ser- serend serendopulation is gonna be the new Long Island death metal band. Oh, band name. Yeah, let me let me stop. <laughs> I got home from work. 
it was like a Friday night. I um I had some chores and some family stuff. I actually I yeah, I had family stuff after work. I did you know, I was feeling feeling good about myself. Stopped, I got a couple of drinks. Uh, I opened up my little Hell's Headbangers package there and I got the fucking um disharmonic orchestra. I'm holding it right now. This uh little it's got a little cardboard box that the CD comes in. It's their first album, Exposition Prophylax which I've been listening to, and I put it on, and I said, let me press pause for a second. Uh, I had to use the men's room, so I'm going to be clear with the listener. I'm always above the table with the listeners. And I checked my phone right before I do that, and it's Dave. Dave, I, I hold on a second, man. I want to. I got to read this for the listeners because this was kind of funny, man. I, I get my disharmonic orchestra CD that I was waiting for all week, and uh, I, I step up for a second right before I'm about to listen to it, and who texts me but Dave. Uh, what did you say? You like disharmonic orchestra, right? Do you have this? And he was shout out to the twenty buck, uh, twenty buck spin label. They were having a sale. I don't know if the sale's still on, but they had that disharmonic orchestra repulsive overtones, double LP, man. And I was like, no, man. But I just got this other thing I'm listening to by them. So that kind of spurred this conversation on, where I told you, Dave, that you got to check out their second album. Uh, what is it? Not to be undimensional consciousness, I believe, is the full title. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That um, because I said, listen, man. If like this band has a lot of releases, the the first album is great. It's a little more on the brutal side and just the straightforward side. Whereas the second album, you really get a taste for their kind of like progressive, eccentric, eclectic nature, man. I want to let you take over from here because you weren't, uh, you don't go as far back with with the band, man. Um, give me your thoughts. Yeah. So this this is one of those bands that I. I saw the name around a lot. I'm pretty sure they were on like an early like death is just a beginning compilation uh, or something like that. They're like, I definitely like had heard them in the past, but never really gave them a lot of uh, a lot of time. So, you know, like I, I heard you talking about them. You're always like talking about how like experimental they were and like crazy off the wall and everything, but I just never like got a chance to check them out. And so I finally like on your recommendation I checked out the 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 album um not to be undimensional conscience yeah 1990 uh, but, uh, 1992 on nuclear blast for the listeners but uh I was really like I was I was impressed I really uh I enjoyed it it's you know I think it it actually it was kind of funny. I I just finished reading the uh, the history of of Finnish death metal book that you would lend. Yes, me. yes. And I felt like they were sort of like, like what they were doing was kind of like in parallel to uh, what the Finnish bands were doing, but like differently. Like they they were into like death metal, thrash metal, and prog, but it just presented presented itself differently. You know, so like, you know, they were like a death thrash band. They got the proggy parts here and there. Whereas like, I feel like the, the Finnish bands, like they, they rolled the, the, uh, the, the proggy parts into the death metal. But with this disharmonic orchestra, they were a little, it's like they got the death metal parts and then they kind of put the, the, the proggy parts like a little separate. I could be wrong in, in in thinking that, but um, 
what do you uh, do you have a reaction to that i feel like you're you have like a thoughtful face well no i'm listening to what you're saying man and it, it's it's a difficult band to break down or try to, to try to describe to people um uh but i i like where you're going with that because here's where i was going i was actually um we'll talk yeah we'll talk about the second album not to be undimensional conscious first because that's the album I'm, i most have uh experienced i i was lucky enough to buy uh, a used copy of that of that original pressing back in the 90s i think i got it from none of the above actually in the used bin um or the used rack whatever they had uh and that it's it's an album it's hard to believe it's from 92 because it's so early on if you enjoy your carnage um you're entombed uh dismember the, the classic uh old school swedish death metal bands it sounds like it's produced in much the same way and but at the same time they're throwing so much more onto the um uh yeah onto the canvas they're it sounds like they're listening to funk and jazz and progressive music it sounds like they intentionally want they intentionally want to play with you sometimes maybe add a little element of humor or a really unexpected kind of genre bending switch but it's never enough to make it a non-death metal album like they're very much a death metal band no matter they're just a weird one you know what i mean like it's not like they're a total uh like between the buried and me where it's kind of hard to categorize what type of metal they even are um because they yeah, go back the, and forth like so the, much. the 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 weird like cut and paste metal of like the early 2000s where like you were a swedish death metal band for four measures and then they turned into a tough guy hardcore then they went to thrash metal then they went back to something else and it's very like it, it's more linear than that like they they uh or more organized where it's it's like it's it's a stylistically they are they stay the same but like the the prog stuff kind of pops out here and there where it's like you can see that it's oh it's like they're playing like death metal for a few riffs and then like you can hear like it's like oh it's a they throw out like a a, a proggy riff but it's a proggy death metal riff as opposed to a separate thing altogether that just gets kind of like wired together Exactly. It's very natural, and it's oh, it's a death metal uh, album and experience. I'm going to admit now, I'm not as familiar with their later material. There are um, kind of two follow-up albums through the, the mid-'90s and the early-2000s, and there's some material that was released uh, even more recently that I have to sit with. Maybe we'll do more episodes about Disharmonic Orchestra in the future because there's a wealth of material um uh, of theirs and there there is that reissue that repulsive overtones reissue that we talked about of the demo material but um so with not to be undimensional conscious obviously even down to the the band photo and everything there's a lot of uh, unconventional decisions uh being made there and here's where I go maybe uh, uh, I want to talk about the first album too, but I'm going to maybe bring Tom in and ask Tom to play a little bit of that not to be undimensional conscious before. Any final thoughts on that album, Dave? I think it's a fantastic album, and if anyone hasn't heard it, they should, because it's a, especially if you play bass, because it is the bass player on that album is just fucking bananas. Like He probably he fills the space more than the rhythm guitar does in a lot of riffs. Yes. It's definitely worth checking out in that uh, in that respect. I, I forgot to bring that up, man. Thank you for bringing that up. Excellent point. So, yeah, so, Tom, uh, we're going to get into Not To Be Undimensional Conscious 1992 on Nuclear Blast Records by Disharmonic Orchestra. 
Now I want to take it one step back further um, to their first album, uh, 1990s Expositions Pro Flax, which was uh, Nuclear Blast. But this reissue I just got is kind of, I guess it's licensed to old shadow records uh directly licensed from disharmonic orchestra so it's always i'd love to interview those guys i have reached out on social media and will reach out in the future again um it would be interesting to know a lot of things about this band not just that but this album it's great because dave before you mentioned the old finnish bands when we're talking about their second album now that we're talking about their first album I was just listening to I listened to it about twice over the weekend, and I was just kind of revisiting it for a few minutes before we started recording this, and it struck me, in some ways, it does remind me of Dark Throne's Soul Side Journey, and here's where I'm going to explain that. It's, in some ways, it sounds inspired, maybe, by that Swedish style of death metal, and by... Um, maybe even Carcass at the time. It's it's 1990s, so it's very brutal and very heavy. Maybe some nihilist and tombed. I don't know what, you know, what bands necessarily might have might have gone into the you know, the stylist they're choosing, but but uh, it's ahead of the game in terms of its technicality, its execution, its songwriting, its vision. However, they didn't yet develop those really eccentric progressive qualities that you see on not to be on dimensional conscious. So Expositions, pro- prophylaxate, I'm going to say it wrong, is more of a straightforward death metal album, but a brilliant one. Really an interesting, forward-thinking death metal album. I wouldn't say tech death because it's not flashy for the sake of being flashy. It's like a fine-tuned machine. It's an engineer's accomplishment of death metal music, um, state-of-the-art for its time and maybe even for today. It's 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 a great, brutal death metal album that takes a lot of nods from your favorite Swedish death metal um, uh, hallmarks, the, the guitar tone maybe and, you know, the, some of the vocal qualities, but at the same time, they bend it into their own world and take it back to you. And why I compare that to Dark Throne Soul Side Journey is because that was such a genius, different death metal album that seemed maybe rooted in similar influences. Um, and was one and done. You know, it's just, in, in my eyes, it's kind of a masterpiece unto itself. There's this great, like I said, reissue that I got. Um, there's four bonus tracks, and it doesn't list anywhere. The one thing I will fault this reissue on is there's not a lot of information. So it doesn't even tell you where these four bonus tracks are from. They're not, they weren't on the original release, and it was hard to, they weren't, they didn't sync up with the t- song titles of any of the demos that I could find. So I don't even know what these four bonus tracks are, but they sound like they were from around the same time period, but it is a great release. And if any of the listeners could put me straight on that, um, please do so. Heavy podcast at gmail.com. Dave, did you get a chance at all to check out this album? I know this wasn't officially on our playlist for this week. I did. Um, I listened to it a couple of times and I, f- I think that I didn't pick up on like the Swedish kind of thing, like like as much as you did, but like it felt like again, like, like referencing the 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 Finnish death metal book, um, which I, I'm I feel like I should know the name of it, but I just don't. Um, it's on my head, but rotting ways to like, misery, rotting ways yes, to misery. Yeah, thank you. But it's like it it has the same feel of like. It sounds like they used to be a thrash metal band, and they kind of progressed to death metal, in the same sense. And like, it's not death thrash, but it's like, 
death metal that leans it like leans on thrash metal just like stylistically because that's just the what the everyone was playing beforehand and not like in a bad way or anything like that but like they were still sort of like you know there's like blast beats and and the, the vocals are definitely death metal and stuff but like it stylistically it feels very more death thrash which i like i guess is not far off from like the swedish uh comparison because they didn't really those bands didn't really do blast beats and vocally like vocally it's uh, very similar but um it's there's that, uh... there's elements there but it's just it, it like i said it's just a little bit more advanced i think especially when you when you take into account it's 1990 yeah. i mean that's early in the game for a lot of this stuff we're talking about yeah no I, I, absolutely they're they're definitely like kind of shooting for the stars yeah more than than other bands were yeah and then they kind of went and which is funny because um, Dark Throne obviously went a completely different direction, but it seems like both of those, I think you could also say Disharmonic Orchestra and Dark Throne both kind of on their first album just did like a masterwork of like, uh, um, intellectual but brutal death metal for the time and then moved on, uh, in a way. Yeah. In their own way, you know, each in their own way, obviously. But um, yeah, they sort of like master the 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 style, and then kind of like they were like, "All right, yeah, we're gonna just move on to something else." Got bored with it, which again is is kind of like if you read that "Rotting Waste to Misery," that's what happened with some of those bands, um, you know, like Zizma and uh, what was the other one, Disgrace. They say that those guys kind of just like recorded a style and then you know advanced to the you know to a different style by the time they were ready to record again. You know, it was just that's just what they did. Uh, they were, you know, they were switched everything up by the time they were ready to do a new album, you know, so it, whatever the fans thought. Um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah. Any, any final thoughts on that before I ask Tom to ring it out? Uh, I think that, like, uh, like the second album, like everyone should check it out, give it a listen because it's definitely interesting and not, you know, not like very typical i guess for the for the age yeah i would agree with that 100 percent. not typical of the age but it also sounds like it's from the age you know it's an ancient secret so um tom with yeah that, tom please bring in uh disharmonic orchestra's first album expositions prophylax uh um uh, kind of a genius work of its time man it stands alone Dave, I appreciate your time, brother. Thank you very much uh, for this disharmonic conversation we had. Thanks for having me. I'm always here. Of course. Dude. And you're going to be there uh, when Reeking Aura travels south with Pyrexia and Atoll, um, August 3rd through the 
12th, we're going to be making our way down to um, Maryland, North and South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, um, Delaware, New Jersey. And check us out on social media, Reeking Aura. Uh, Dave, you're going to be uh, helping us out there for old Tom who can't do things. Uh, shout out to Tom. Congratulations to him and his family on the uh, abundance of joy they're experiencing the last few years uh, and growth. Now, um, what else do we got going on? I got one more thing that I wanted to shout out quickly, but thank you very much to Pat Hawkins and Kyle Linderman from uh, Asystole, if I can say. I, I'm, I'm terrible with names, but thank you very much to them, man. Shout out to them. Please check out all the music we discussed tonight. Um, and as I said, man, uh, congratulations also to Tom of our podcast team, um, also accomplishing big family-style things uh, in his life, which is why we're kind of doing a double drop this week. But the one more thing I want to tell you guys about that you can still catch is Friday, August 25th, uh, Massapequa VFW on Veterans Highway. It's uh, Restless Spirit, Exsanguinated, Funeral Dancer, and Decommand. Um, shameless plug for one of my bands again, Exsanguinated, but that's 7 p.m., 12 bucks at the Massapequa VFW on Veterans Highway. Uh, Exsanguinated Funeral Dancer D-Command supporting Restless Spirit. Um, so we're looking forward to that one, man. It's been a long time since I played in the VFW Hall on Long Island in particular. So that's going to be, hopefully it's kind of crazy. Bring your cat, Dave. Yeah, they're a package deal. They come to all the shows with me. Well, just for the listeners now, you have kind of a orange and white tabby. I'm going to venture to say this cat is a little bit uh, up there in years. This one? No, she's probably the youngest one. She's like oh, okay. five, I think. Okay, small cat. Just still got a few years. I got a cat running around it's, here that's like 12. It's just the lighting. Yeah, yeah, poor light. Yeah, that's why I look bold. <laughs> just for all the past guests. You're well known for your, your full head of curly hair. Oh, boy, man. Yeah. I I took my uncle to, to the barbershop today, man, and he, uh, he came out. I said, you got a haircut? He said, I got all of them cut. You know, get the joke. It's like not just one. Dude, that's the best fucking haircut joke ever. Oh, uh, Uncle Jokes.